welcome to more to come. Beat Epic Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, uh, recorded at our strategically located uh, places all around the New York City metropolitan area. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor, Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com, uh, the news site of comics culture. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher, and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And don't forget, you can let us know how we're doing. Leave us a rating. Give us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment even. Or you can email us or tweet at us or whatever at us. We just love to get feedback from our listeners, so please don't be shy. Let us know how we're doing. Talk to I us. almost think we should start a listener call-in section because, guys, <laughs> we, we only hear from you at conventions, basically, or randomly when we're interviewing someone. <laughs> yes. And uh, we haven't been able to go to any conventions lately. I know. Yeah. So so we can't even get serendipitous, you know, praise walking down the aisles. So. Or even, you know, serendipitous criticism. Which, yes. Hey, we'll yes. take two. The other, the other side of it. So, sure. Hit us up, why don't you? All right. So this week on More to Come, AT&T fail. <laughs> New owner coming. For DC Comics, all right? All right, and Diamond reveals new terms. Oh, very curious about that. Alex Sakura Ankles, he's headed for Oni. And uh, we'll have an event update and a manga update. So, ATT with a big fat fail. So, you guys, didn't we predict this on a past episode of this podcast? I'm pretty sure everybody yes. alive did. I mean, it's the least surprising thing ever. Well, I'm a little surprised that it happened so fast. Yes. Sorry, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say, Heidi. I was like, you know, I thought it would take longer for them to figure in they were figure out they were in over their heads. Um, but actually, weirdly, kudos to whoever pulled the trigger at AT and T because um, you know they could have thrown more good money after bad. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they could have gotten better at running a studio but yeah. that clearly wasn't going to happen so failing that uh just stopping failing is probably the way to go yeah but i mean first off this is an even bigger debacle than when aol bought time warner quote unquote <laughs> and that was a pretty big freaking debacle this yeah, is just <laughs> so Bad. And I mean, AT&T, like, they're bad. I mean, look, we talked about it last time, the direct TV deal. They bought it for $45 million and sold it for like five, excuse me, billion. Billion. $5 billion. Sold it for $5 billion. I mean, this is terrible. In any other world, people who were this bad at what they do would be fired. You know, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a little surprised they all still have their jobs. Instead, they'll be given a golden parachute with a fifty yep. million dollar golden parachute because once you reach the level of the oligarchs, once you're an oligarch, you're an oligarch for life. You know, once you're a you know, jet, but... you're a jet all the way. <laughs> well, well, you know, yeah. I think that. Uh, I would be surprised if they even get golden parachutes. I think they're just going to stick around and continue to be incompetent at anything other than no, being a phone no, company. No, 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 no. No, that's no. – some people are going to be leaving. No. The Schadenfreude is already starting, so there's definitely going to be – I mean there's definitely be some hesitant role uh, because their whole situation is different now. But yeah. but I, I admit, I, piercing the, the veil, I, I didn't understand why they were doing, doing some of their uh, business dealings, and I will admit – I'm sort of narrowly focused on the small part of the deal that's the comics world. But apparently uh, we weren't the only industry observers that were completely baffled at how they were handling these really amazing legacy media assets assets that they had. Yeah, Um, I mean, even if 
you are a bunch of comics-hating morons who don't know how to make money on comics, which, okay, fine, a lot, a lot of people in the entertainment industry are. You screwed up having HBO? How do you screw up having HBO? Why you do you let s- HBO do its thing? But how do you screw up? How, how do you screw up launching a streaming service in the middle of a pandemic when everyone's stuck yeah. at home? How? Like what? That it takes a, a special uh, level well, of incompetence. Oh. I uh, don't sure. think so. I think that, quite frankly, there are so many streaming services already that they would not have needed to be nearly as incompetent as they are to screw up. But, you know, they certainly screwed up with style because when you manage to offend most of the Hollywood creative community with headline level offense, uh, that's that's maybe not good for a media company, man. Let me, let me read a few things of what the pundits are saying, because this is I a, would you know, love to hear it. We're going to have some shada in our Freuda. We are going to have a lot of Freuda over <laughs> this. Let me tell you. It was a failed experiment, said Hal Vogel, a media industry analyst. This is from Story Variety. It was ill-conceived right from the start. If you do an acquisition of this size and importance, it has to be a high-growth vehicle. This one took AT&T too far afield from its area of competence, and it forced the company to stretch the balance sheet to the point where it imperiled its core business. Yeah, uh, yeah they did not know anything that they were doing. Uh, you know, for the, the Ankler is a newsletter that's written by Richard Rushfield. Uh, he is hilarious. I I was waiting with bated breath all week. Uh, and, and he puts this in some context here because, uh, you know, AT&T is not the first. Uh, here's for quote the anchor. Let us bow our heads to remember all those brave companies that came before them to our shores, arriving hale and hearty and full of Tinseltown dreams, coming in like a lion to show us how it's done and leaving some mid single digit number of years later broken vanquished spirits run asunder wallets <laughs> of billions lighter they caught the last trade from the coast and fled as fast as they could we speak your names vivendi seagrams coca-cola gulf and western deca matsushita General Electric, the General Town Rubber Company, all companies that tried to buy movie studios and failed. Now AT&T <laughs> is forever remembered among these great interlopers who funded so much of our lifestyle in their time. They came talking of how a modern beverage oil or telephone company had to have a film studio to survive and left under the cover of darkness. <laughs> yeah, honor your With their asses handed to them. Your costs <laughs> may be declined, but your memory lives forever. Um, <laughs> Great piece of writing. Yeah. It, no, <laughs> that's brilliant. The whole, the whole thing. I, I mean, that's just one. It just, the that's whole just thing. That's just one is, part of the brilliant, brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> and now, really, this is not shot in front of This is just out and out, really part running. Okay, so we know we've been talking in the past year about all the layoffs at DC Comics. Of course, that was our purview. But throughout Warner, uh, like Kate said, HBO, throughout every division, you know, so there's like tens of thousands of people were laid off during this, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so Andy Corey, who was an editor at Vertigo, at the late Vertigo at, at the DC group, um, he was in one of the first rounds of layoffs. Of course, they killed Mad. They killed Mad Magazine, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you get so into branding? Let's kill Mad Magazine. Jesus Christ, what asshole, dumb wits, dim wits these people were. Anyway, Andy wrote on Twitter, it's nearly impossible to overstate how badly AT&T fucked up. Tens of thousands of people with combined centuries of experience building some of the most, and in the case of HBO, the most successful yeah. enterprises of their kind, dismissed or otherwise driven out for nothing. Concurrent with what some estimate to be as high as 50,000 layoffs since 2017 came the dismantling of assets these people gave their careers building, assets that entertained the world. Despite all Time Warner's problems, that's still what staffers believed was the job. Yep. And I mean, it, it words fail uh, to describe how cavalier the careers industries have been like hammered by the stupidity of this uh, deal. Yeah. Well, it, you know, if it's a little bit of comfort. So this this Jason Kylar. Oh yes, that, that guy. That we, you know, he's the one who was sent in to just do the disruption, and he did a great job of disrupting everything um, with a smiley face. Apparently, on you know Monday morning, he sent out a memo to everyone and ended it with a smiley face. But by Monday afternoon, when this was all announced, um, 
he was already in the you know on the way out. You know, he did not get a vote of confidence from John Stanky, the head of AT and T, or the new guy. Let's talk oh, yeah. about the new guy. Uh, is David Zaz Zaslov. So he, you know, so what actually happened is that AT and T, as we predicted, decided that they did not want to run a movie studio or an entertainment company, and they did some kind of reverse stock merger. Delio, uh, <laughs> was it called a reverse Morris Trust? Yeah, or reverse trust. <laughs> I have no idea what that is, but uh, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Discovery <laughs> picked it up. Now, Discovery is, of course, the group of channels that uh, run such things as, you know, Shark Week, um, you know, Honey Animal Boop. Planet. Animal Planet, um, 800-pound fiancé, you know, 1,000-pound twins, hoarders. Uh, actually, that's on A&E, but uh, I'm sure they have some hoarder-type shows. Um, so, uh, you know, all that – they do not do scripted. They only do yeah, uh, that's right. reality uh, – mm-hmm. oops, can't do that – quote-unquote reality shows. Uh, however, uh, the Zaslav guy, who's the new head, at least he seems to understand how Hollywood works. And so maybe he will be not quite as eager to dismantle everything that that was put together. Yeah, I mean, some people are saying, I mean, they, apparently what uh, what Discovery's got a bunch of cable channels, which, of course, are all losing, <laughs> which are all losing. You know, people are cutting the cable. Uh, but they also uh, I mean, there's a lot of programming that people seem to be pointing to that. There's a lot of programming that uh, you can talk about. The combined of all of the shows and the viewable content that they have, but and then I guess the other thing is that could anyone be worse than AT and T in managing yes. these properties? Yes. So yeah, yeah. Could, but they were worse. But they could, um, you know, they were pretty low. Yeah. So, um, um, but I would say that, quite frankly, this is a at least in, on the surface, it looks like a portfolio mismatch. Like sometimes you're like, okay, I can see this entertainment property eating that entertainment property. I see the synergy. It feels like it might be mission creep for Discovery, but I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll reinvent themselves. Funny well, thing is, I remember when they used to be a documentary channel. Yeah, highbrow. Remember when cable was going to be highbrow? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I will say this. Um, you know, Discovery, there's a, there's a high degree of schlock throughout the Discovery Channel family. True. Uh, and, um, you know, the, of course, Batman and Superman were mentioned, Wonder Woman were mentioned in the press conference that announced this deal. I mean, the DC films are absolutely key to Warner Brothers. If oh, you're keeping yes. Warner, the studio, you're keeping the DC characters, you're keeping the DC film franchise sure, there. So those aren't going anywhere. Uh, my prediction, is that um, I think owning a comic book company and superheroes are a little more in the wheelhouse of somebody who understands schlock like Shark Shark Week. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. seem a little bit more um, comfortable with that, perhaps. So I I think it'll probably just be left alone for the next while. Um, And then, you know, as always, uh, you know, the steel isn't going to be consummated for about a year. So uh, it sounds like DC's in a holding pattern for about a year. Um, Now, I heard... Uh, that, um, you know, it sounds like there might be a lot more um, uh, mid-level executives. And I I heard people wondering if Pam Lifford will last very long in this new regime. Mm. And the feeling seemed to be that uh, she might not. So, Uh but that might be far in the future. So, Mm. um, you know, that's developing. I guess that, 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 it certainly is a subject for future shows. What? How does this impact our little patch of this, you know, these the tiny patch within these billions of media assets? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is this going to mean to, uh, you know, to a house that's already been battered um, it, with so much of its legacy kind of chopped off? As far as human capital. Yeah, but I, I mean, I will say that things have stabilized quite a bit at DC mm-hmm. under Marie Javins as the editor in chief. I mean, you know, a lot of faith, like, I mean, we all heard that Pam Lefford, who's the head of, she has a very long title, but short, short version, she runs like consumer, uh, products mm-hmm. and publishing and a lot of branding and licensed stuff at Warner Media. But, um, uh, you know, we all heard that she hated Black Label, but you know, the book sold so well. That they just couldn't kill that that imprint, you know. So so things I think things stabilized after they laid off about half the staff, 
Um, So it seems to be, um, you know, I think it'll be stable for the next year. But then there's all this other stuff going on. Yeah, right. Maybe a new a new round of head honchos who are going to want to put their own stamp on things. Yes. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, quite frankly, Yahoo. Yahoo could be a worse buyer because they are well known for buying up, you know, uh, successful uh, small Internet companies and then destroying them and selling them for pennies on the dollar. Well, like, you saw. Oh, go on. I'm sorry, Kate. Like, for example, to the point where delicious or dell.ishio.us the once beloved bookmarking tool got driven so far into the ground by yahoo that the pinboard guy he's a one man operation massigowski not sure on the pronunciation was able to just buy it just to like keep it as an archive for all time well, just basically, be, it was pocket change compared to what it used to cost. Well, just to put an icing on the cake of, you know, uh, telecoms not knowing what the hell they're doing, um, you know, Yahoo and AOL, which had merged, uh, were just unloaded by Verizon, uh, and again at a huge loss. <laughs> so yeah, they Yahoo bought it has for like Yahoo. Delightful. Yep, they got Yahoo. They, it could not happen to a more deserving. <laughs> Gummy. Well, conglomerate. happy, happy yeah. moguling. Yeah, just yeah. to just just be just to show you how smart these companies are. Again, to, you know, executives who will be compensated in the tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars yeah. each year. They'll be Verizon, rewarded for their rewarded failures. Rewarded for these failures. Uh, Verizon bought AOL for 4.4 billion dollars in 2015, and Yahoo two years later for 4.5 billion, and they unloaded the whole kit and caboodle to Apollo Global Management, whatever that is, for five billion. So, yep. Uh, yeah, uh, just becoming less and less valuable the longer they own them. Well done. Well done. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, for sure there will be more to come on this topic. Yeah, and I, but just there definitely is. It's just you know one last. I mean, Kate, you're absolutely right about Yahoo. But it's just you know somebody you know John Stanky's predecessor at AT and T is the guy who had this brilliant idea that owning the pipes and the water that went through them was the way to run this. You know, but uh, he didn't have a well. So uh, well, that, that's the problem. You have to spend a crazy amount of money to have content. And they weren't. They they had enormous debt, and they really didn't know what they were doing. So, <laughs> and you know what? Content is still king. It is, and it costs money. Yeah. And particularly the kind of money that they needed to run a streaming service, which apparently Discovery has one too. Discovery Plus. Yes, Discovery Plus. <laughs> so. So uh, there you go. More. Is that? Is, yes. More. More to come. All right. Um. Hey. Uh, we're we're going to move down the food chain a little bit here. Diamond <laughs> reveals new terms. Right. So I think last time we talked about how, you know, Penguin Random House Publisher Services mm. was wooing retailers with their free shipping. And Diamond had yet to make a response. You know, as a wholesaler, they are allowed to still carry Marvel comics uh, and graphic novels, Marvel products, and sell them to stores. So they finally on, um, I think it was Tuesday, uh, revealed – sent out a uh, letter to retailers, um, does not mention Penguin Random House at all. Uh, so it's sort of <laughs> like, uh, I'll, I'll just read you the first two paragraphs so you can see where we're coming from. Diamond, thanks you for your patience as we carefully and deliberately reviewed how we approach Marvel Comics product offerings within the scope of our overall product mix. We're pleased to outline our new Marvel terms below. As a reminder, Diamond remains your source for Marvel product now and in the future. <laughs> Penguin Random House. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, back. The flow of Marvel product will continue as always. You will not experience any disruption to Marvel product when you order from Diamond. We look forward to continuing to serve your needs um so uh, without going into too much nitty-gritty here but um the highest discount they will offer is 50 percent, which matches the one that prh is offering um uh the other big thing is that it does not include free shipping so uh, shipping in addition, new terms are material charge but but now it's kind of like a flat shipping charge yeah i see that it's a flat uh, rate yeah, flat rate, but they are going to charge shipping. Uh, Penguin Random House has free shipping. So uh, I was a little confused about how this would affect people. I talked to some retailers, 
And, um, you know, the most the people I talk to, but, you know, to be fair, the ones that I talk to are pretty, you know, progressive, but they were just like, Diamond's not even trying, you know, they're not even trying. But a lot of people seemed to, uh, you know, like big stores had a much higher discount. They had like a 56, 57 percent discount. So mm-hmm. they're losing quite a bit. Uh, with Diamond, and then they are still paying for shipping. So they have no incentive whatsoever to stay with Diamond. That's true. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Diamond needs to work on this. I mean, this is this is not a good yeah. deal. I like, get the I mean, feel people it. are inclined to be sentimental toward Diamond, but nobody's that sentimental. I get the, well, I get the, I get the feeling that there are a lot of you – know, I mean – Diamond is one-stop shopping for a lot of comic shops, and I think that that's what they're 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 uh, banking on. Oh. Heidi, what do you think? They're banking. Uh, yeah, I do think. I'm trying to find uh, trying to find um, what you know. Brian Hibbs did write something on Facebook about this, and hmm. uh, he is you know it was a public post, so um, I it is uh, trying to find that to quote. You know, I've heard just a lot of concerns. Brian has mentioned a lot of concerns that this will really hurt indie comics. I'm not sure how I see that because I don't think that Diamond did that much. But, you know, if Diamond is imperiled by this, that would imperil a lot of people. Um, Here we go. Here's what Brian has to say. So he understands this a lot more than we do, let's face it. Diamond released their new uh, terms of service for Marvel, and it isn't very great except for a smaller group of edge cases. In our case, with two stores, it amounts to something like a 6% effective drop in discount. That means an increase in prices. Mm. Right. If we tried to stay with Diamond, they are just not viable for the vast majority of stores, as far as I can tell. The wild card will be small press at Diamond. There is an implication that Diamond's terms of service is going to switch to an overall volume-based discount rather than going to a book industry standard of 50% off and free shipping, which could have been the thing that kept them competitive and allowed for growth. Right now, the signs say that Diamond's troubles are going to bleed downstream to weaken the positions of the smallest publishers rather than strengthening the smallest to build a new future. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, And I've heard other people say this, that, you know, the indies, you know, both Marvel and DC have fled the coop. uh, And... Diamond needs to work with the indies, you know, which means image and boom and all that. I mean, image right. boy is their bread and butter now. But uh, and they don't seem to be showing signs of, of really, pardon me, reacting. So, well, they're only working with the biggest indies, so they may be able to, you know, placate them because of the volume of their business. But I mean, you'd have to wonder down the road if these. I mean. Both of these, both of the publishers you mentioned, they, you know, they, the book trade is what they're interested in. <laughs> so uh, where they see, you know, they're not abandoning the direct market, but they're not, you know. Yeah. They know where to, you know, <laughs> they know where the market is going. So once again, it just doesn't look good for Diamond. But, uh, you know, uh, this is me yeah. speculating. I mean, I'll say that, but I'll also say they, um, you know, this, this, um, this, this memo doesn't speak of panic. I mean, it sounds like they're trying yeah. to front and, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think they, they do have other resources. So, you know, they have their toy company, they have other things. So, mm-hmm. you know, hey. Uh, well, uh, well I agree. I mean, a company's these size, you adapt. Um, and I, I suspect I mean, will certainly adapt. And like I said, I think they'll keep, you know, a chunk of their business because they have their diamond. It's one stop shopping. Uh, everything is laid out for you in some ways. I mean, that's in many ways. That's what I've heard all along about how the direct market mm-hmm. tends to work with retailers. Um, um, but, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's my speculative moment. You know, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So I, I said this is developing. I mean, yeah. you know. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people. I don't really know. Uh, you know, I talked to a couple of retailers um, that, you know, Lunar might be expanding, which is owned by DCBS. But, you know, they offer really great um, shipping. I mean, they don't have damages, which is apparently what all retailers really dream of. You know, mm-hmm. damages are going to be very, very um, a concern with Random House. So, you know, there's the, a lot of pieces are in motion here. A lot of things are moving, and uh, this is just kind of – the game is really mid-game. We have no idea where this is going to end up, really. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, uh, PRH also is very vocal about uh, not um, 
uh, disparaging Diamond yes. in any way. Um, I, I mean, part of what we're talking about is, I mean, I think the level of service and, and whatever that PRH uh, will offer, I assume that that would sort of, it's going to transform expectations in the direct market. And I'm just speculating here. Um, yeah. What I'm, um, uh, but, they, you know, they're, they're doing one, periodicals for one publisher, even though they distribute obviously are many more publishers uh, for for graphic novels. So I mean, I mean, part of this is how aggressive does PRH want to uh, impose itself on the direct market? It seems it seems like a lot when you hear them talk about the potential of the direct market. Oh, they want to be in there with they all these really stores. They really want to be there. They want to so be. They want these two thousand stores, fifteen hundred so, stores. Yes. So it's hard to believe that they won't start distributing periodicals for other publishers. Just saying. They will. They will. Just hard. Just hard. You know, just saying. They will. Well, no question. Yeah. Well, you know, we've seen Simon and Schuster pick up every teeny weeny little graphic novel publisher for bookstore. So, you know, they know. Uh, They know. Yep. Yep. And of course, at the same time as they're um, creating this infrastructure to distribute periodicals, which I many times I just thought that no company would 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 find it profitable, but they see beyond that and they see that really as the as really just the the arrow's edge of a bigger picture uh, and also bigger you know bigger book sales. Mm-hmm. These yeah. you know comic shops are book shop, shops also. So anyway, more to come. To come, all right. So, uh, <sighs> Alex Segura, ankle of weeks. <laughs> Let's see who's ankling this week. Um, yeah, Alex Segura, our good friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been a guest on the podcast uh, several times, I believe. Um, so yeah, he has left Archie where he was like co president, he had some kind of weird but powerful title, and he's going to, <laughs> um, he's going to uh, Oni slash Lionforge and where he will be the VP of marketing, I believe. Uh, v- he'll be the VP of, um, what the hell is this? <laughs> he will be VP of, of marketing, sales and marketing, senior of, VP of, of, of publicity, mar- uh. yeah. Yeah, where, where is it? You know, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Senior VP of Sales and Marketing at Oni Forge, uh, Oni Line Forge, um, and this is, you know, this is very interesting. Obviously, I mean, Alex is an interesting figure. Uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't come off as uh, an executive, though he is, and and it's a shrewd and experienced one. Um, he's a highly regarded uh, crime and mystery novelist. At the same time, I mean, we knew him from when he was sort of like, what, a publicity assistant back in the day? Oh, yeah. You know, I've known Alex a long time. Yes, he was. And in fact, I was trying to remember, did Alex actually write for us? Because we have so many people from back in our, you know, um, recruit people days when we first started, you know, PW Comics. I know. That were for us, but I can't remember. Will Moss, you know, I can't think, but I don't think he did. We just knew him early on because he was – I think he was working with David Hyde for a while mm-hmm. there as his assistant. But he went back and forth. He started as a journalist at the Miami Herald. That's right. That's when I first met him all the Online way back editor. then. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but he has really moved up the ladder. Um, Archie Comics really uh, and him have really served each other as well. Yeah. He started as a publicity director. He ended uh, in this, as you mentioned, Heidi, a kind of awkward title of co-president of Archie Comics. Uh, I did a story a couple of months ago about how Archie was sort of creating a bunch of new partnerships. And I think a lot of this was actually driven by Alex with Spotify doing also scripted, you know, uh, podcasts and, and radio plays um, and a whole range of they're, they're, they've got to deal with Webtoon. To kind of recreate Archie in the webtoon vertical scroll manner. So uh, he's a smart guy. He's he knows comics. He knows the larger book publishing world. Uh, and I think everybody's a little curious to know what's going on at Oni and Line Forge these well, days. Well, we haven't heard too much from them, have we? No. Since you know. No, I put in an invitation to talk with them down the road after he's been in the position for a little bit. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Yes. Well, that's interesting having. 
you know, Alex there because Alex is absolutely one of the most approachable and intelligent yes. uh, comics publishing executives out there. And, yep. you know, we haven't really heard that much from Oni. I mean, I don't think – obviously it's because of, you know, the pandemic partly. But, you know, they had their whole uh, – Oni was acquired by Lionforge a couple of years yes. ago, as you might remember. And there was a bit of an outcry. And then Lionforge really – you know, is really into animation now. They're not really doing comics. Um, and we haven't heard too much from Oni. He's been pretty quiet. So hopefully this is the start of something big there. They've been quiet, but they've been pumping out books. They have. That's yes, for sure. They have. But so, they haven't, yeah, they haven't. Um, but they kind of keep their head down. It, it, yeah. It's They're not throwing lavish parties. Of course, nobody is anymore. Yeah, Yeah, even if you want to spend the money, what would you spend it on? Like a shinier Zoom background? Yeah, I guess that's all you would be able to. So, so, you know, I I would say on the other side, we should mention very quickly the promotions at Archie. Yes, that's right. Two people to replace Alex, apparently. Yes, apparently it did. What, Jamie? I don't know either of them. Jamie uh, Rotant. Yeah, I don't know either of them either. I don't know either, but she's a former editor promoted to senior director of editorial. I think she's been there for quite a while. And uh, I do think it's what I do find very interesting about uh, Archie um, managers and and executives. They write for Archie as well, as Alex did. Um, I mean, Alex did a lot. And, yeah. he, you know, he wrote – he also wrote some series um, for, I think, the uh, – what that – Dark Circle is the, co- the superhero. Yes, imprint. Dark Circle. So he he did that, and uh, apparently uh, Jamie ha- has written some uh, other graphic novels, the Betty and Veronica graphic novels. And Ron, and I honestly don't know how to say his name, Kakich, uh, Ron Kakich, am I saying that right? I have no idea. I apologize, Ron, uh, in advance. And he has been promoted from digital marketing manager to director of publicity and social media, and he also writes – the um, an Archie web comic mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> serialized on the on the on the site. So, um, congratulations to everybody. Yeah, there you go. Yep, the the moves are starting. You know, we're starting to open up here, and but the I moves do wonder, are Why did Archie ever let him go? I mean, I, Archie has a very good team, but Alex Segura is the name you always hear. He's not a man. Why did they let him go? I think, um, I mean, it I think may not be question. For change. <laughs> and yep. obviously he did not go for less money. So that's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the deal is, but, um, I'm not sure it's a question of whether, he, whether they, whether, he, you know, Archie wanted him to, you know, he, he left, forced him out or anything. He's been there for, Almost 15 years in various stints, and the yeah. last one was the longest. So you might be ready for a change. Uh, maybe. So there you go. And um, uh, so what are we looking at next year? Segway well, to. Well, so we're going to need all these marketing and publicity people because it looks like conventions are coming back. Oh, and right. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And um, – not just virtual ones either. Um, you know, Baltimore Comic Con, which takes place in October, announced they are live, baby. And they have a, you know, that's a, a great guest list of Baltimore right. Convention Center. Uh, in accordance with local, whatever the local guidelines will be in October. Um, before that, uh, Awesome Con in Washington, D.C., that's at the end of August. And they are planning it in They're person. back as well. There They're you go. back. Yeah. So there's quite a, quite a few events that are, uh, and you know, we're seeing it here. I mean, let's face it. Now, New York, I, I think they dropped all restrictions, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, it, I get the feeling that, you know, Reed expects to bring New York Comic Con on home. Well, based on the speed with which everyone is dropping their masks and eating out, I mean, I went for a walk this afternoon and, you know, I mean, it was like Paris out there and on our little sidewalk cafes. They were packed. If, um, yo, yeah. Um, well, Clinton Street's the same way. Let me tell you, it's yeah. it's packed day and night. Yeah. So, yeah. so New York is back. So we will see. But I actually I was um I, I saw the news of XBX. They're doing a virtual show, but they're obviously this has hit them really hard. Um, uh, they apparently um are having financial problems. Uh, they're suspending some of their uh some of their charitable activities. 
some of the the um, I know what's the uh, the graphic novel acquisitions that they donate to Library of Congress. I think they're postponing or canceling, well, you know, just pausing it for the moment. I think to 2024. Uh, and I know, and apparently, and I and I get this from reading the Beats article, by the way, <laughs> um, that um, uh, I know they were in a situation with the hotel, with the Marriott, mm-hmm. where yeah. they have made, uh, over cancellation fees and the like, and they seem to have reached an agreement there. So um, it, they're coming back virtually this year. And hopefully we'll see them, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of small, you know, TCAF just took place virtually. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of events that are taking place in the second half of the year preemptively said, you know, and they're smaller. I mean, let's face it. You know, look, a read pop, they're very smart. They have access to a lot of information. And they, uh, you know, when you put on events the size of that Read Pop does and Read does around the world, I mean, they had a little more of a handle on this, I think. So they were able to say, yeah, we're going live, we're going in person, you know, and I think shows like Awesome Con and Baltimore Comic Con are, you know, little more leap of faith because they don't want to lose money um you know and smaller show right so smaller shows like spx are being a little more cautious i mean it's you know possible they could have they could put on an event this year but better to err on the side of caution because god only knows where we'll be in october and obviously a lot of people are gambling and pushing shows to october and november in the hopes that you know the combination of vaccinations you know, um, basically vaccinations uh, will will solve this, the issues that we've been facing for the last year. So we will see. However, um, you know, read exhibitions may have exited uh, the virtual presentations game, but Publishers Weekly is trying to step oh, in. Yes. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, Calvin. So the uh, uh, all I can say is this. I'm not part of the organizing committee, but I do. Uh, I, I have my place to play in this. Um, um, uh, PW, this the U.S. book show has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, it is wildly popular. Uh, PW, uh, not only is the industry coming out where people are buying tickets, uh, I, they've sold thousands. I don't know the exact number, but they've sold thousands of tickets. They've got a great um, – uh, there's, there's an incredible range of programming. Uh, I'm going to be doing programming. Uh, Meg Limke, the PW Graphic Novels Re- Review editor, is doing a programming around with about eight editors. We are basically, um, you know, a placeholder <laughs> for Book Expo, which read, uh, um, read exhibitions declined – to do virtually uh, or in person this year. Uh, supposedly it has been retired, but we will see what happens um, as we m- move further away from this pandemic. Yeah. But uh, I yeah. do wonder if they're going to pull a anime cons in New York nonsense again. Wait, wait, I know I gave it up, but now that you have it, I want it back. 100%. And, you know, the like, props to U.S. Book Show, you got Oprah Winfrey, you got Keanu oh, Reeves, the, the, yes. who I believe you will be talking to at some point, yes. Calvin, Elizabeth yes, Cohen, Pat Malashmi, Anthony Doerr, Steve Manzan, Brian Selznick. I mean, they got A-list, you know, A-plus list. And you know what I think? I think, like, you know, Reed hated running Book Expo. They had Why? Book Time. Well, yeah, well, because it was a dying show. <laughs> because they, because they, they didn't like. I don't know. I mean, it just got this stank there. And then every time they talked about it, it was just, well, you know, we just need to reinvent it. And it's like I think the book industry is responding to, uh, you know, let's give George's due. You know, um, yes. he cares. He cares, yes. and and he cares about the book industry, but also. You put putting on a show and say, "Hey, let's put on a show and be enthusiastic about it." And when you go out with enthusiasm, people respond with enthusiasm. Well, yeah. and that's it, and and I think you hit on it, Heidi. I mean, um, every every <laughs> I think everyone was ambivalent about doing another show with Reed, and everyone seems to be excited about doing <laughs> a, another show without Reed. Um, uh, I, I I personally actually think that when uh, it looks like in-person events are really on track, 
then Reed will step back right, into Reed. this space. Great. But for right now, they 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 they've washed their hands of it for the moment. Certainly for a virtual show, so PW has stepped in. So uh, you've mentioned a bunch of the keynoters. Uh, there's a bunch more. I think I, I think you nailed a lot of them. There are others. Uh, I've got the pleasure of um, interviewing Keanu Reeves about Berserker, the 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 uh, Kickstarter boom published. Uh, uh, soon to be anime and film graphic novel project. So that's going to be on. Uh, I'm I, well, actually, I'm interviewing him in advance over the weekend, and it, I, uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what day you know it's going to be run on. I have to. It's, the the U.S. Book Show goes from um, uh, uh, May 25th to 27th. You know, basically the time span traditionally when Book Expo was held. Um, and I'm, I'm doing the adult graphic novel panel and that, so I'm, uh, I've actually already done it, but so it's going to be, it's been pre-recorded, but it's going to be run. You know, actually, I'm not sure exactly what day it's going to be run, but it's, I'll tell you who's on it. Andrew, Andrew A. Iden, uh, the co-author with John Lewis of Run, the, the sequel to um, the March trilogy. And it looks at what happened to John Lewis. Uh, you know, basically after the civil rights bill was passed in, 19, in 1965 and when his leadership of SNCC was challenged um, by Stokely Carmichael and he was actually moved out and he started looking at elective office. Uh, I'm also going to be uh, interviewing Ed Brubaker, uh, you know, basically about the graphic novel series he's doing called uh, Reckless and the new book that came that just came out, Friend of the Devil. Uh, what is this? Um, uh, Roy Okupe was supposed to be there. He's the guy that runs uh, Unique, the uh, African uh, Comics Universe. He actually wasn't able. He was supposed to be there, so he's not. He wasn't there. And last but not least, the you know obviously one of the most popular fantasy writers in the world, Brandon Sanderson, has a graphic novel, The Dark One. That he's also going to be uh, talking about. So uh, that's my little part of it. Uh, go to usbookshow.com and you can get all the information in the days and the, a lot. And as I said, Meg Lemke, the PDF Graphic Novels Review Editor, will be um, uh, moderating the buzz panel of eight editors, four adult, four children's and YA, talking about their fall releases. So unfortunately, I don't have them all in my front of me right at the moment. So enough of me. Well, excellent. That is all good news. It is um, good. You know, I speaking of things that have been pre-recorded to look forward to, listeners. Um, I've started, well, restarted um, recording the uh, Rose of Versailles episode that I I uh, planned low these many years ago in in celebration of the uh, final volume of the translated classic Rose of Versailles coming out this month. Cool. So uh, keep your ears tuned in. That should be coming your way in our podcast feed very soon. Cool. All right. So where are we now in our list? Uh, well, we have – you about. had a couple of stories in uh, PW this week that you wanted to mention. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, what we also – you know, I just looked at my notes here. We also were going to mention a little bit about um, uh, the streaming media, basically – uh, you know, uh, an article very similar to the one you wrote, Heidi, about um, uh, the impact, of, excuse me, of streaming media uh, on manga. Well, uh, anime uh, is having the same impact on manga. We we talked about this a little bit bef- before, I think, the um, Deb Aoki's um, manga uh, feature came out. So I'm, I'm going to direct people to publishersweekly.com slash comics. It's up there. Uh, go check it out. She talks about how uh, anime – is really uh, anime in combination with basically binge reading manga fans trapped at home is really causing record sales. We're talking about increases of sales on the 30, 30, 40 percent over over the year before. So um, it, it, uh, we're in an amazing place here at, as we leave this pandemic of people really kind of establishing how this thing that we do, this thing that we love, books and comics. Uh, they are not going away. They are. They have gotten us through some of the darkest days of this uh, this past year. And you know, uh, 
you know, they're doing pretty well. We just need to help out the retail side probably because obviously a lot of the stuff is selling in you know, online. Yeah, I, and yeah, the just like. Uh, just a little, um, just a little sidebar to that though. That, that's kind of led, leading to a shortage of manga because, um, you know, when these sell out, it's like that they're printing them as fast as they can. But obviously, COVID has affected uh, Chinese. Uh, you know, that was the first thing. Remember all those yeah. years ago when it was like, you know, the printing was slowing down. So anyway, printing has, you know, there's kind of a big catch up going on. And when something goes out of print, they can't just blast it back on the press. Uh, so right, you know, and, yeah, and it's not just backlog. International shipping has gone crazy lately. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. yeah. just, you know, the whole Suez Canal nonsense. It's a wide combination of factors have just vastly slowed down international shipping. Yeah. So you've got that, plus you've got the backlog of books that, you know, there's already a demand for. And uh, printing times have gotten pretty long. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, Dev's piece talks about that, too. They're, they're just... Uh, uh, because of the, well, because of the, the pandemic, <clears throat> uh, the need for spacing, the need to change how, the, and then and then of course it's this incredible increase in demand uh, has put print getting print times really challenging, and most of the people that are that talk about this in the piece say they don't expect the problem to end anytime soon. Yeah, no, you know there are, I mean we're very cheerful about you, you know like walking around the city right now that a lot of in our immediately our immediate area that's about all that we've known for the past you know year and a half uh it's looking up but there's a lot of permanent you know like there's a whole new way of doing things um that we're just figuring out and uh the, this printing shortage you know paper these this printing log jam uh shipping uh log jam is definitely part of it so um yeah more to come and well, very quickly, we'll mention, uh, go to publishersweekly.com slash comics. We have a couple of new stories up. One, uh, if you've, uh, uh, legendary entertainment, the, the movie film production house has launched a new, um, YA graphic novel imprint. A really legendary comics has launched, it's, you know, it's graphic novel division has launched a YA, um, a, uh, imprint. Uh, it's called, um, what is it called? Legendary Comics YA? Yeah, it's going to be. Yes, there you I go. I actually did it with those guys like a mo- couple months ago that I've just hadn't been able to transcribe. So I'll actually be running that story in the next couple and, of days. And it's so. interesting. Robert uh, Napton is over there now, who uh, some of us remember back from his days at Bandai. Yes. Uh, uh, during the manga, the earlier manga years. Um, but anyway, the, uh, this is launching. They've got five new graphic novels. Check it out. And also, um, about 2018, I wrote a, a story about a company called Black Sands Entertainment, an African American owned publishing house. They do, they, they do graphic novels, chapter books, um, all of it kind of based around creating content for black parents and their kids. They have launched, uh, the BSP comics app. Uh, it's modeled after, uh, platforms like Webtoon, uh, it also adds, as these other platforms do, gamification elements. So they're really good. They're basically launching it. They've launched with about 16 different um, African-American cartoonists, uh, publishers, uh, and, pub- uh, and individual artists. Check it out. They're adding more. The um, uh, Manuel uh, Godai, the, um, uh, the, the co-founder along with his wife of the company, is kind of a character, but he gets it done on social media and crowdfunding. They kind of started the company using Kickstarter. Uh, he's on TikTok now, uh, doing some very entertaining appeals for investment. And he raised in the last year over a million dollars on WeFunder, which allows you to actually get the, to make equity investments in ongoing businesses and in, in, in hopes of a return on your investment. So, Anyway, go to publishersweekly.com slash comics and read all about it. Absolutely. I just have one final note, uh, for me anyway, just a very sad note. Um, you know, we've just been losing a lot of, a lot of giants and, uh, very, very sad news that, uh, Kentaro Miura, the creator of Berserk, the great mangaka is dead at age 54. He died earlier this month of a acute, uh, heart issue. 
Um, sounds like he died very suddenly. Um, Berserk was really influential. It's one of, published here in the U.S. by the Dark Horse. It's one of their all-time top-selling um, books. And actually, a new volume of, of Berserk was coming out later this year. Um, he'd taken a big, long break from it. But, uh, you know, a lot of people are mourning his loss. Uh, and then just before we started this, uh, I got word that David Anthony Kraft had died of COVID. And uh, so he might not be as well known, but... Um, he was an editor, a writer back in the 70s. He published a uh, magazine called Comics Interview back in the 70s and 80s, uh, probably in through the 90s. Anyway, it was this magazine of comic book interviews. And uh, really, like, if you ever find a set of it, buy it, because it's really just a goldmine wow. of comic book history. And uh, But he was really beloved by a lot of people. I only knew him a little bit, but he was a great guy and um, just very, very sad. So, um, you know, uh, our, we send our condolences to... Yeah. Rest in power. Rest in power. Yeah, indeed. All right. So I think it's time for briefs. Yeah, you got it. So um, we are currently living in a podcast boom. Yes, that's right, dear listeners. We do have an (laughs) awful lot of competition. And Marvel's getting in on the game with their first of several scripted podcasts coming out from Marvel and Sirius XM. Um. It's not going to be your scrappy little production with a couple people on microphone. Oh, no, they have an all-star cast. Um, the, the first podcast is going to be Marvel's Wastelanders, Old Man Star-Lord. Yeah. Uh, I guess this one didn't make it into comic pages. Um, <clears throat> I quote, In a shadowy alternate future of the Marvel Universe, the villains have finally won and heroes are nothing but a bad memory. Marvel's Wastelanders, Old Man Star-Lord, finds Peter Quill and Rocket a little paunchier, a little slower, and a lot saltier than they were during their glory days. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's no cast, more to come, but it, yes. it should be entertaining. Yeah, the cast <laughs> well, they, includes Danny Glover. Oh, well, that's Kelly. a pretty good cast. Yeah, that. they got Danny Glover, Susan Sarandon. I mean, they got, like, A-listers to do this, so... Mm. Yeah, it's no no uh, Bush League uh, operation. Yeah. Uh, it should be interesting. Um, it was written by Benjamin Percy. Do you know him? Is he a comics writer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he was a guest on this podcast a while ago, actually. A long time ago. Yeah. There you go. That's what we do. <laughs> okay. Um, so you heard it from Calvin and Heidi. Uh Go through our back episodes and find a little bit more. (laughs) Although, you know, maybe we shouldn't be giving uh, pro tips on the competition. Uh, So in other positive news, I suppose, depending on how you look at it, there was a very hopefully influential poll coming out of Japan on the subject of what? What manga and anime properties would Japanese anime fans like the American media (laughs) to adapt? This is frankly hilarious, but go on. It it is, and what makes it extra hilarious is I think most American fans would, in fact, agree. Uh, Basically, they gave them a a list of candidates, and uh, they selected none. (laughs) Um, this is what they it, wanted to be t- t- turned into, like live action series. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. We, any adaptation yeah. from Hollywood. So, and there was like, uh, how about none? How about yeah, zero? But it's not just none. <laughs> let me let me tell you how much none won. Yeah, by. the poll <laughs> had four hundred and fifty six votes for none. <laughs> and this was far and away many times more popular than the second most popular choice, Demon Slayer, at only 60 votes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking. Man, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure only had 15 votes. So, yeah, none, yeah. none. So Hollywood none, is yeah. held in such none high is, esteem by the overseas good. market. None is well, I mean – I, as an American who enjoys Hollywood <laughs> products, finds that Hollywood tends to not get anime. Uh, 
And so, yeah, yeah, I'm on board with the none. It's like, I, none. Where do I, none. where do I vote? No. <laughs> and, uh, they did. Yes. They voted with their no. Yeah. I, I don't think that was the answer that was expected. But, uh, it certainly sounds honest. <laughs> and, uh, but in something that anime fans will be much more unhappy about, eBay has made an announcement. Hmm. There will be no more adult anime or manga allowed to be sold on eBay. Yeah, this is this is kind of adult market. This is sort of amazing because this is going to affect all kinds of comics that may not be purely erotic. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, it's not like they gave any guideline Hmm. of like what that counts as so i mean they sort of vaguely named genres such as hentai and yaoi but the thing is that you know there's a lot of borderland in manga Hmm. and anime i mean there are there are uh things that are not about sex at all that happen to have a sex scene or two um in which are not anything more explicit than you'd see in an r-rated movie but but are those adult? Are those not allowed? Uh, what about um, boys love manga in which no explicit content, but it might get mistaken for Yahweh? Like it's and furthermore, where where are anime fans going to unload their old DVDs to other anime fans? So it's it's going to be a thing and. Uh, I would think that if there's some more adult content-focused competitor that could take these people on, they probably would find a small but successful market. I think there are, though, aren't there? What's it? What's it? Faku? Aren't there a couple of, you know, they're, they're obviously they're much smaller. Well, um, I mean, there there are adult allowing auction sites, but what I'm hmm. saying is – this is a niche that someone could step into and market to. Well, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Amazon still is selling. Yeah, uh, hasn't had. A yeah, that's true yet. too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, Amazon is notoriously opaque and arbitrary in what they will allow and what will vanish. Um, and it's a lot more work to list than just simply popping something up on an auction site. Yeah. So uh, I actually think the CBLDF is has issued some sort of response to this, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Well, there was an interview on ICV2, which I haven't read yet, actually. So, yeah, maybe that's um, what I think that's what yeah. I'm talk, talking yeah. about. Yeah. So uh, so we'll we'll revisit this because this this could really overlap into all kinds of content that yeah. is primary motive is not, you know, erotic but has erotic content. Well, we're just, I mean, we're just seeing, um, you know, a lot of crackdown, bleed over crackdowns on Mm -hmm. this, you know, Tumblr, Patreon, a lot of uh, platforms have been Mm -hmm. banning adult content. And, um, you know, look, I understand why, but there are always mistakes are made with this. So we have to be very vigilant, you know. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily understand why. Somewhere like eBay, that is a selling stuff site. I mean, so you require some proof of age, whatever. Like, I, I don't really understand. It's not like on a, a uh, social media site where the content itself is hosted, where you know, you could have stuff on there and find yourself in a legal pickle. Um, this is just a selling stuff site. And, and, and I haven't e- heard any sign they've had any legal problems about it. And doesn't, and don't, I mean, eBay kind of labels the really explicit stuff. And you, you have, a, there's a whole section for it. But they seem to be play, taking, you know, they're, doing they're, what they see is the easiest way is that, well, we'll just ban it all. 
Yeah, they're seeing that as the easiest, but um, I, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. No, it's but a bad I don't idea. run eBay. It's I mean, I not idea. only don't <laughs> think it's a good idea for the people who will be affected this, I don't think it's a good idea in the long run for eBay. Well, it's. I'm reading here, it just says that they are sexually explicit anime, comics, books, films, animation, manga, hentai, yaoi, along with adult films and video games with a rating of X, XXX, R18, or unrated for an adults-only audience. I mean, you know, that could cover things from Midnight Cowboy to, uh, you know, Human Centipede. I mean, sure. are they not selling that? that that's What yeah. about and French art films? Yeah, French art films. Never rated under our system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. More to come. Yeah, I don't get it, Big yeah. Dan, man. More to come on that. More to come. Uh, find us on social media and, uh, you know, leave us some ratings. And, uh, you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> without you, there would not be. So, and without you, there would not be. More. To. Come. <laughs>